Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only 5 bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, what should have been a fun snow day turns terrifying for a school-aged child. A paranormal investigator gets a little more than just an EVP from her time spent at a cemetery in the middle of the night. A favorite item that was buried with a loved one is still making noise from the grave. And a young family is terrorized in their apartment by a dark entity. But just when they believe they've escaped its wrath, it has more surprise in store for them. Those stories, your calls, and more... Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hi, how are you this fine day? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I am getting over the cold and you're getting the cold. I'm trying to stay positive. Fight it away. I just, I share. That's what I like to do. I share. <laughs> share the love of the cold. Hey, you know, the other day we were talking about uh, haunted theaters uh-huh. and such. I, I put something up on our website today. Or actually, the other day. I uh, I posted uh, five chilling haunted theater pictures and stories. Oh, that's cool! And it's it's five uh, different theaters around the world, um, and all have a little you know kind of snippets uh, on the uh, stories. And I think some of these we have talked about on the show before. You can see pictures of the theaters uh, and uh, check out some of these stories up on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. So uh, do check this out and share it with your friends. Um, you want to hear some of these? I do, yes. These are just little brief snippets. There's the uh, Belasco Theater in New York City. Is this is that one we've talked about? Belasco, B-E-L-A-S-C-O. I could have sworn it was like on some letter or call in the last recent weeks or something here. It doesn't ring a bell for me, but that doesn't mean we didn't talk about it. This is a, a theater that uh, the lore goes David Belasco's figure, who was originally I mean, the you know curator of the theater. Uh, they've seen his figure uh, in the office space that now sits right where his old apartment was, and the theater's balcony now lie. And female patrons have also reported feeling a ghostly pinch which is also attributed uh, to the ghost uh, of Belesco. It's an older building, kind of looks stately, and uh, it's a creepy building. Yeah. And uh, got some haunting there. There's a palace theater in Los Angeles, and there's a lot of palace theaters out there, but this is one of those more ornate theaters. Um, It has a third balcony that was once closed off uh, for racial segregation and became known for its ghost sightings there. Many onstage performers have reported seeing dark figures on the third balcony when its doors uh, were locked and should have prevented anyone from having access to that balcony. There's uh, an Orpheum Theater in Memphis, um, and this is an interesting one. Uh, There was a fire there uh, years ago, and it was restored uh, eventually. Um, and there's a apparition named Mary that people see going around this theater. Okay. There's the Adelphi Theater in London. Have we talked about that one? That sounds familiar to me. Uh, ghostly tale there. Uh, actor William Terrace haunts this theater. Terrace was stabbed to death on the stage uh, by the stage door in 1897. Rumored to haunt the Adelphi. According uh, to its uh, tale, uh, an understudy had a nightmare the evening before the murder. Uh, then they found him bleeding on the dressing room floor the next day. And the, uh, I always say this incorrectly, is it Groman's Chinese Theater? I think so. Uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I didn't know that one had a ghost story connected to it, but uh, an actor, 
uh, was stabbed. Victor Killian was uh, stabbed outside of it, and uh, the the rumor is that he now haunts that theater. I didn't know that either. And I have a creepy old picture I found of the theater from way back in the day, probably how it looked around the time he was stabbed, uh, posted up on the website, too. So check out those pictures. Check that out at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you enjoyed that uh, little rundown of haunted theaters, uh, do me a favor and post that to uh, to Facebook or Twitter and uh, share that uh, share that with your friends. Yeah. It's creepy. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. Of course, you can always write into us through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Let's kick off the show today with a letter from uh, Nico. And Nico writes in, love the show, guys. It just became an EPP, and I'm going to sink my teeth into those bonus episodes when I get the chance. Nico, you will enjoy them. There's lots of very good stories uh, on those episodes. Uh, here's my story. My family moved around a lot after I was born. In 1996, we moved from the city to a nearby town. The street we lived on was a dead-end street with our house at the end of it. On the left side, if you were walking down the street towards the dead end, there was a bus stop at the beginning of the dead end. There were no houses between our house and the bus stop, just open field. This will all be important later on, trust me. At the time, I lived with my mother, father, sister, and brother. I'm the youngest of six children. My sister, whom lived with us, being only two years old, my brother being 17 years older. We had lived in the house, for what I remember, for a few months. I was relatively young at the time, before December came. We had some light snow here and there, but it never snowed much in my area. One night, though, it snowed heavily. The story really begins on that night. I remember before going to bed asking my mother why I was not going to school the next day. She explained to me it was because the roads weren't safe for people to travel on. Therefore, no buses. I went to the same school I had previously attended. It was out of the area, but they allowed me and my sister to continue to attend because all my siblings had attended and graduated from there. I remember being extremely excited as any kid would be to play in the snow once the morning came. That night all I could do was think of all the fun I would have in the snow, meaning I couldn't stay asleep. After some time of trying to sleep, I turned to my window, which I remember being across the room from my bed. I was amazed by all the snow. It was still falling heavily, making it hard to see across the field. There was something I could see through. Squinting and eventually getting up and going to the window, there was someone standing at the bus stop, wearing a hat and coat, their back turned to me. The sun was just barely rising at this point, so the bus wouldn't be here for a long time. What was he waiting for? Oh well, I decided to go downstairs to the door to get a better look at all the snow. My room was on the third floor. Going past a window on my way down, I reached the kitchen, which had the side door to my house that opened to the yard, which was connected to the open field. I was entranced by all of the snow that was there swirling in the air. Then I noticed something off. The figure from the bus stop was significantly closer than he was before. The bus stops tons of uh, steps, but was tons of steps behind him. He wasn't moving, but I knew he was closer. I could make out a better picture of him now. The coat was a trench coat, and he was wearing what I know now was a fedora. His hands in his pockets and his head down enough that the hat uh, shattered his face. Though I couldn't see his face, his eyes I did see. Bright red eyes, staring out of the brim's shadow at me. I didn't know what to do. I suddenly didn't feel safe here anymore, so I booked it for the stairs. To this day, I don't know why I was stupid enough to do what I then did. I stopped at the window on the second floor to see if he had moved any closer, and he had. He was about halfway between my house and the bus stop. He wasn't looking up at the second floor, but still at the kitchen door, still as stone. I then ran up to my room and jumped in bed, wanting him to go away and not knowing if by now he was at the side door. Again, I want to go back and smack myself for what I did next. Curiosity got the best of me, and I went to my window. 
I couldn't see him anymore. I was relieved that it was over. Until I noticed, he was right up against the door to the house. His body was pressed against it. Looking down at him, I froze. And the next moment was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. And what seemed like an eternity to me at the time, he slowly tilted his head back, almost robot-like, looking straight up at me with those piercing red eyes. He smiled nice and wide. I jumped into my bed and covered myself with the blankets and closed my eyes. I must have fallen asleep because all I remember is waking up to my brother coming in my room wondering why I wasn't waiting at the door for him to go play in the snow. I haven't told many people about this story. Sometimes I think it may have been a dream. To this day, I don't know if it was real or not. I plan on someday going back to the house around dawn and seeing if anything happens. I moved out of that house a few years later. Nothing else happened after that house and that event, at least anything I can remember. There's another story somewhat like this that happened years later at a different location. If you guys are interested in them, let me know, and I'll be more than happy to send them. Thank you for reading. You know, the description of the character in this story sounds a lot like the story we had a couple weeks ago about the guy who had car trouble in a blizzard, Uh huh. and the man in black tried to get him to walk in the snowstorm to a house that wasn't there. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of odd. Here you have two snow-related stories and f- weird figures wearing black trying to get people to do things. Do you think there's a roaming man in black in snowstorms out trying to kill people? You know, it crossed my mind. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I wonder if something with... We've had other stories of snowstorms and, and entities making themselves known. There's one way back where somebody was in a hot tub and they saw something coming towards them, a, yes. a dark figure. Remember that. Yeah. I wonder if there's something to do with the energy in the air and everything that's going on with a storm. You know, obviously, you know, there's in, in you know summer months, they always say that there's paranormal activity, you know, right before a thunderstorm or the lightning and all the energy that's in the air. Uh, would the same be true of a winter storm? No lightning, but still energy, right? Yeah, I don't have any idea on that. Different type? We should talk to a meteorologist about that. And their take on the paranormal <laughs> influence weather has? Yeah. Okay. Do you uh, and then try and get a, a meteorologist on the show that has any... Uh, sort of uh, belief in the paranormal. Okay. I think that may be difficult. That would probably be pretty hard. Because they're usually very scientific individuals who are very much not into that topic. We could probably find one sometime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should talk to our, our meteorological friends, see if Ross wants to come on from Channel 12 and talk to him. He'd just probably laugh at us. <laughs> and then, you know, his dog would bark or something. Yeah. But uh, it'd be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I could see they're having some sort of connection there. Why it's always seemed to be a, a dark figure in the snowstorm, I don't know. I don't know. This is kind of weird, though. It's Krampus. No, it's not. It's Krampus weird. coming to eat the children. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please leave a positive review. Some stars for us on iTunes or Stitcher. All that helps us grow the show and helps others find the show as well. So if you don't mind, do a little bit of that if you would. Uh, Paragirl writes in, it was September 24th, 2013. I was conducting an investigation at my local cemetery. Everything seemed to be going well. It was a quiet night, perfect for an EVP session. As I was getting ready to end the investigation, I looked down towards the end of the cemetery to see a man walking. My first reaction was, oh great, someone's here. Now they're going to wonder why I'm here, a lone girl in a graveyard. They're bound to find that a bit weird and approach me. I kept a close eye on him, but something didn't seem right. He was walking like any other normal person would but his legs didn't match the place he was going the best way i could describe how he was walking was almost like a video game character during a glitch when they're obviously moving but their legs seem to lag that movement you know it wasn't only that i found strange he seemed illuminated by this gray white glow around him i could even see what he was wearing gray jogging bottoms with a gray hooded top his hood was above his head, so 
Not your typical ghost sighting. This only lasted about five to seven seconds, but it seemed much longer. I kept watching him, and as he was moving, he started to jolt backwards slightly, but still seemingly walking forward. And before I knew it, he vanished right in front of my eyes. I couldn't believe it. So I ran the opposite way to try and block him in, so to speak, and that was the only way he would go. So I knew I had to meet him somewhere along the trail road, but nothing. Not even a sound. Not a trace in sight. It was then I realized he was no ordinary human. I guess when you're in the middle of a cemetery in the middle of the night trying to catch a ghost, it shouldn't be surprising when you see one. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I would think that'd be a little scary being all by yourself. Yeah. Doing this in the middle of the night. I'd be afraid of the living and the non-living. I'd be more afraid of the living. Really? Yeah. Much more afraid of the living and who else is showing up out there. Uh, there's, yeah, no. Um, I guess uh, kudos for having the guts to go do it. Did you get any EVPs? Yeah, <laughs> Did you really. get anything out of that night? That's my what I'm wondering. Just the fact that you did see something paranormal. Was anything else uh, picked up? Or were there... Maybe she only had a recorder. I was going to ask. Maybe she had a camera or something, too. I'm trying to catch this thing. Yeah. I but if you're know. just out there with a the recorder, then maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting, though. Cemeteries, I was surprised. You know, um, I... Not that I've been in many at night, but when I have been, I found them surprisingly peaceful places. Really? I was really a lot less creeped out than I expected to be. Like, I've been creeped out in a lot, uh, in many other places, much more than a cemetery at night. You know, walking in a city or, or something of that nature uh, late at night, much spookier. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pretty, you know, somewhat spooky cemeteries. If you were to walk around them in daytime, you know, big trees and old headstones, and you'd go, oh, this would be a scary place. You don't want to be at night. I don't know, with a full moon and it being kind of lit up. Uh, I, uh. Yeah. Fairly peaceful. Have you ever been in one at night? No, I don't think I ever have. Want to go to one at night? <laughs> I'd go to Rienzi at night. I, you can't, that's all gated oh, up. Oh, that's right, I they, forgot. They don't let you in there after like six o'clock. My aunt and uncle got trapped in Rienzi one night. Okay. They, uh, they were there visiting, uh-huh. and they have these automatic gates that shut, and there's signs posted everywhere. Gates will close at six or seven o'clock, whatever the time is. So you need to be out mm-hmm. of there by then because you cannot open the gates from the other side. If you're in there, you're in there. You have to call a number uh, or the police or somebody to come let you out. Um, well, they were in there, didn't heed the warning. I don't know if they didn't see the signs or whatnot because the gates have not always been there. And uh, they got trapped. <laughs> behind the gates oh no they i don't know who came and got them but they were i mean they were not there for any nefarious reason they were just didn't realize the gates were going to shut on them when we go to savannah do you want to go walking in the cemetery there uh in daytime in daytime i don't i'm not about wandering through unknown cemeteries at night okay i i I, when i have gone through the cemeteries at night it's been with someone who knew the cemetery Mm mm-hmm um, or was an investigator been there who got permission or something? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not. And cemeteries, there's a lot of vandalism and things that go on in them at night, and there's a lot of uh, other things that go on in them at night. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it be drug dealings or other things. So it's not exactly a place you really want to hang out unless you're pretty darn sure you're secure there. Okay. But daytime. Yeah. I want to go to that one we heard about the other day with where they kind of recycle the bodies and that's throw them away. That's in New Orleans. Oh, damn. If it exists, that's in New Orleans. If it exists, yeah. I don't want to just flat out say that that happens that when I've never been little, there and I haven't seen it. I haven't heard anything back from anyone yet if that's uh, indeed a confirmed cemetery either. No, and I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe her. I just hate to make that accusation about any city Yeah. without, sure. you know... Crew for sure, sure. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Josh writes in, before I start my ghost story, I want to tell you some background information about myself. I live in Apley Bridge, Wingen, which is located in England. I live on a small residential street with my mom, dad, and two dogs in a two-story house. I'm 17 and attend college in another part of Lancashire. 
I have always been a believer in the paranormal and the unknown and enjoy watching movies on this subject and really enjoy listening to your informative show every night. Our house hasn't got a history of any paranormal events or activity that spooked it, but uh, over the past few months, we've experienced strange going-ons and things happening in the house. We've experienced uh, ball bulbs falling off our Christmas tree in the lounge and breaking. Our dogs seeing shadows or something watching them from our garden patio and little things going missing like presents from Christmas. TV remotes going missing and finding them in other places where they're not supposed to be. But the freakiest event that has happened is my dad's electric razor, which keeps turning back on even though it's been switched off. This has happened several times, including when my dad is having a shower or going off during the middle uh, of the night with all of us asleep. I have some theories on what this might be. It's either a poltergeist, a nice but cheeky spirit, someone who we know who has died, or imagination playing tricks. Love the show. Okay, so he gives us four options of what it could be. I'm going to say imagination's not the case if you're actually sure the razor is going off. Yeah, because I was going to say three of them are paranormal, so that's a 75% chance it's not your imagination. Have you confirmed that it is indeed the razor? I would think it. they've confirmed that it's going, so it's not your imagination if you're physically going and checking this thing. Mm-hmm. Rule that one out. Um... Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not enough information really to make a good assumption here as to what it may or may not be. No, but definitely some strange things going on. I would keep posted on it and try and uh, keep tabs and maybe make a little log of what happens when. See if you can figure it out. And if you can't, there you go. Does hair continue to grow when you're a ghost? (sighs) Not when you're a ghost. When you're dead, it grows for a little bit longer. But what if you're... What if it, can you still have it grow? Could you have a choice in that matter? Would you need to get it cut as a ghost? Or are you just kind of like, that's it? I think it's along the same lines of, does the ghost need to go wash his clothes? Why is the ghost wearing clothes? And, so, and, and can the ghost change his clothes? Can you change outfits as a ghost? Can you change hairstyles? Can you get hair back as a ghost? I would like that. Are you done? I'm curious. I don't know the answer to any of those, but I would seriously doubt the need for those kinds of things to happen, like changing clothes or washing clothes. Or I mean, well, it's not need. It's what if you just want to change your outfit? What if you're sick of wearing the same thing every day? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sure at that point, it's not really necessarily a oh, I really should do this, but I'm just wondering. What if you could wear your favorite outfit every single day and not have to worry about ever? washing it or anything it eventually not become my favorite outfit i get sick of it oh and i'd want to change it i'd want to i i would i don't know you know when people sometimes they see like clothes moving around their own clothes i wonder if it's the ghost trying to put on real clothes is that why they're in the closet a lot maybe maybe that's why people are finding ghosts in closets the ghosts just want to change their damn clothes who knows i don't know it's a i'm Kind of serious on this question. I don't know. 855-853-4802 is our number. If you like the show, tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever the case may be. We appreciate that. Alyssa uh, writes in, Hey, guys. I've been subscribed to your show about a month now, and I love it. Plan to become an EPP just as soon as I have the funds. These events took place in the house I lived in with my parents and a little sister for about 10 years. During our time spent living there, there were many strange occurrences, a few of which... I will highlight here. I haven't told a lot of people about it since they'd probably think I was crazy. As far as I know, this all started after my great-grandmother passed away. I was about three years old at the time. My parents were under a lot of stress from the loss of a loved one. They were arguing a lot of the time, and the night after the funeral was no exception. They were upstairs arguing in the kitchen when they heard the unexpected sound of music coming from downstairs. They came downstairs expecting to find my sister and I awake and out of bed. Instead, they found us both fast asleep, while the music box given to me by my great-grandmother sat open on my dresser playing its song. After this incident, many more strange things began to occur. We would often hear loud footsteps running up the stairs. It happened so often that it just seemed normal to me. 
There was also an almost constant feeling of being watched in that house. Even when I had friends over for sleepovers, they would comment on the creepy feeling and they wouldn't go anywhere alone, not even to the bathroom. But out of all the weird experiences I had in the house, there is one that stands out over all the rest. I would have been about 12 years old at the time. I was standing in my bedroom, listening to my parents arguing as they always seemed to do. It seemed like we never had a moment's peace in that house, and I was very angry as I listened to them bickering. I was standing facing my doorway with my back against the wall when I felt my anger turn quite suddenly to absolute terror. I didn't even stop to think about what I was so afraid of. The fight-or-flight instinct kicked in, and I ran for the door, or at least I tried to. I hadn't made it three steps before I saw a wisp of a black shadow out of the corner of my eye and felt something grab a large handful of my hair. Since I was running, my head was actually yanked back by whatever had a hold of my hair. It took me just a moment to regain my balance, and I ran as fast as I could out of that room. That was the most scared I've ever been felt in my life. Thanks for taking the time to read my story. I hope this one makes it on the air. I'll be sure to write in another of my experiences soon. Okay, I wonder if there's two separate entities or one entity trying to make her think it has something to do with her great-grandmother because of the timing of the music box starting to play. Oh, like something trying to trick her? Yeah. A trickery ghost? Yeah, because we've had a trickery ghost before where they've either messed with a item that belonged to a loved one who had just passed and at first they thought that it was that loved one trying to communicate and then they realized later, no, this is some other thing that's trying to pretend that it is that. To invade. Mm Mm-hmm. I could see that. I don't know. It's it's tough because it doesn't get, you know, really dark or anything. I mean, grabbed her hair. Yeah. But do you get a dark vibe on this one or just more of a, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know what the word is. I think anything. Mischievous vibe. No, I think it's beyond mischievous. I think anytime it starts physically hurting you like by grabbing your hair and pulling you backwards that's not good i don't say well, it's demonic but yeah it's that's it's, it's pretty i mean little boys pull girls hair you know it's not you know and it's usually because they like them you know yeah i mean i where do you draw the line at uh it being something dark with ill intent or something just being mischievous i think there's also a level in there in between called asshole ghost an asshole ghost yeah not demonic but not a nice person that you would want to have anything to do with Mm -hmm. you see when we're talking about the paranormal we should actually give it a, a different name other than asshole ghost so it sounds a little more scientific so we should combine the two words so it becomes not not asshole ghost it would be how would you do that? How would you combine that the word asshole into one word? Asshole ghost. Asshole ghost. It's an asshole ghost. A S S I L. Okay. Is it, would that be how it would work? I guess I don't. An know. asshole ghost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I it, we we can we should create a chart a flow chart of all the different type of ghosts and put it out there. <laughs> we really should, and all the names that we've come up with for them. It would be hilarious. The stupid ghost names according to Ginny and Tony. Yeah, and then we could have it in front of us too. We could like easily, oh no, this one falls into the asshole ghost area. And here's why. Because it's a it's a subdivision of, the, you know, it's we should make that someday. Snow Day Project. Okay. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number here. If you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you, you won't miss any episodes of the show. They'll uh, come directly to you. You don't have to search us every time you want a new episode, and it also helps us grow the show in the community. So it's a win-win. Gabriel writes in, I have a friend who's able to see ghosts. She says that she can see them very clearly, but there are times where parts of them are concealed in shadow. Amy doesn't like her ability because she says that spirits will continue to visit her if she acknowledges them. 
She also says that they speak to one another and they let each other know that she can see them, which uh, creates more visits from spirits. During one summer, I was on vacation to Las Vegas with Amy and a group of our friends. One night, I was alone with Amy and we were watching TV in our timeshare. She suddenly turns to me and says, Gabe, don't be scared, but there's a little girl who lives in one of the rooms. I remember asking her what the little girl wanted and if she was willing to help her. Amy said she didn't want to help her and she just wanted to be left alone at this time. I didn't know that she loathed visits from ghostly entities. The next morning, Amy tells me that the little girl came to visit her in the middle of the night. This little girl was trying to speak to her. However, Amy was half asleep and couldn't understand what the little girl was saying. I've never met someone like Amy before. She always told me that her mom and grandmother have the same ability, but they have it stronger than her. She also confessed to me that there was a spirit who was following her for a couple months during her time in college. She described this ghost as an Asian man in his mid-thirties, and from the waist down, his body was concealed in shadow. He made her life a bit difficult because she had to use a dark room to finish her classroom assignments, but she wouldn't use a dark room whenever he showed up. Anywho, I thought I should share this story. I enjoy the show. Thank you guys for giving us a space to discuss this subject. Well, I hope Amy has learned how to turn that ability off because you can make it to where you don't see them all the time if you don't want to be talking to them. How do you do that? I don't know. I have to have the ability to figure out how to turn it off first because I don't see them all the time. Like, see, you actually need to see them all the time first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, occasionally I see a ghost, but that's kind of like the normal person sees a ghost. It's not like I see them like six cents, like I see dead people all the time. And when you see, are you talking, you were referencing the imaginary friend or have there been other instances where you, well, when we saw the one in West Bend, but mm-hmm. any other time? No. No. Just talking about those. That you're aware of. That I'm aware of. Okay. Yes. I wonder how often you see other ones. I don't know. I don't want to start guessing each person I see. Is it a real person or is it a ghost? That's where you just go and start poking people. No. Go, nope, you're alive. And you walk away. That'd be great. (laughs) I'm sorry. She's making sure you're not a ghost, sir. She's special. And you just keep walking. Yep. (laughs) Ah, yes. David writes in. Hi, my name is David and I'm from Leeds in the UK. I would like to share with you two experiences I had after my mother died. In 1978, my mam and dad bought me a solar-powered digital watch for my 18th birthday. That watch went through some adventures with me and a couple of motorcycle crashes over the course of the years. Eventually, in the year 2000, it gave up. The only thing that worked was the alarm. The display would constantly flash and the alarm would go off every morning at 11 a.m. It had a very distinct beeping sound that I had heard countless times over the years. I kept the watch in my bedside cabinet. In 2001, my mother died of cancer at a young age. Obviously, we were all devastated. When my mother was lying in the chapel of rest, we being her family put things inside the coffin with her, photos and such. I put my watch in and tucked it under the lining of the coffin. About one week later, I and my partner were in the living room on one miserable gray Sunday. We were just basically staring at the TV, not really taking anything in, just in that kind of daze when we both heard as clear as day, my watch alarm go off. At first, we didn't take any notice as I said I had heard it countless times before. Then it sunk in. My partner looked at me in disbelief. I looked at her absolutely stunned. It took maybe 20 seconds for it to sink in. I could clearly hear it. I ran upstairs to the bedroom to see if my watch was there, knowing full well it can't be because I had put it in with my mother. By the time I got upstairs, the alarm had stopped and I rushed into the bedroom to find nothing there. We don't own anything that sounded like that alarm, and we have never heard it again. We just can't explain it. In 2014, my partner was due to have a very serious operation. As the time got nearer, she started to get more worried and concerned. One night, we were having a quiet drink and watching TV, and she started to ask questions about what if the operation went wrong. Then she started to ask if I believed that there was anything more after this life, life after death. 
I said I did believe there was, and we started to get into a heavy discussion on the paranormal. We turned off the TV and discussed it in the light of the fire. After maybe an hour or so, we got to talking about the watch incidents. I said you were there, and you heard what I heard as clear as day. She agreed. She did. She couldn't deny it. Then my iPad, which was on the table at the side of me, suddenly turned on. To be more more precise, it was Suri that actually came on and asked, Would you like me to contact? As far as I know, you have to press and hold down the button for Suri. No one had touched that iPad in at least two hours. I grabbed the iPad and went through as many deceased loved ones as I know, but all I got from Surrey was rubbish answers to my questions. These two incidents are completely true, and it's convinced me there must be something more out there. It has also got my partner believing a lot more, too. And as a side note, the operation was successful, although it took a lot longer than it should have. Thanks for letting me share my experience with you. Regards, Dave. Well, I'm glad the surgery was successful. And we talked about Surrey yesterday. Yeah. As far as being able to make that pop up. If anybody knows anything about other ways to make Surrey pop up other than pressing and holding the button, let us know. Because you and I, that's the only way we know. Yeah, it's your dead relatives. That's the other way (laughs) for it to show up. It's a new thing from Apple. It's a test program that nobody knows about. It's called iDead. I dead. I dead. It's a way to contact the dead through Surrey. Is there a... Uh, where's my phone? Is there a app for a Ouija board? I don't know. Why are you looking this up? Let's just see. We should ask We should ask the, the Ouija app that question and see. <laughs> I wonder if there is. And I wonder... Okay, here's... I'm not going to download it even if there is. But if there is, is it as effective as a real Ouija board. I would think not because I'm assuming the thing would have to move around and you need to physically feel it moving with your fingers on it for I think it for it to work correctly and if it's an image on a screen unless it just pulls up the board and then you can use like a coin or something. I've seen Ouija board uh, phone cases. Uh-huh. Um but I don't know. That might be very difficult, I would think, to use in such a small... Doesn't Ghost Radar essentially do the same thing if you're wanting to have a conversation with a ghost and use your phone as the way to get the message Yeah, through? but if you just feel like being old-fashioned to talk to the dead... If you're going to be old-fashioned, you're not going to use your phone. Well, it can be an all-in-one device. Then you can use your phone. Just like, uh, you know, I don't want to be old-fashioned, but I played Oregon Trail today online. Okay, for those people who don't know what he just said, he played Oregon Trail. Oregon. Oregon Trail. Oregon? Oregon Trail. Oregon? Or, or, or again? So Oregon is incorrect. See, that's how we say it in Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> we say Oregon. I wonder how the people who live in Oregon say it. Probably Oregon. How do you, how do you think the people in uh, Arkansas say Arkansas? Probably Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. Well, here in Kansas, we call it our Kansas because it's ours. That's the explanation I've gotten. And I just shake my head and walk away. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's funny how that all changes from state to state. And why, why one state would pronounce another state completely differently. And I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's the way I've always said it. Well, Missouri is like that too, isn't it? Missouri is how it's... Am I getting correct there? It said... It's Missouri. But I believe in Missouri, they say Missouri. I could be wrong, but I've heard that from several folks in the area. Okay. I'm not making it up. You've no. not You've not heard that one? You're hyped up on Mucinex. Let's read a story. <laughs> Ryan the Skeptic writes in. Hello, Ryan the Skeptic here. First off, Tony and Jenny, let me wish you a happy and prosperous New Year. Even though we think differently on paranormal phenomena, I find your show to be very entertaining, and I certainly respect yours and my fellow listeners' views. I'm writing to relate my experience my mother had nearly 10 years ago. She's a wonderful woman who loves kids, having had 11 of her own and adopted seven. Yes, you read that correctly. 
18 children. Wow. How the hell would you manage that? That takes a special person to be able to do that. It does. Do you have help? I suppose eventually the children help the other children. Probably so. What if they were all the exact same age? That's not going to happen. It'd be like it's a daycare, really, at that point, wouldn't it? Yeah. She wanted a dozen, but the physical rigors of 11 pregnancies made the 12th child impossible. Growing up, she was an only child and had a father who loved her dearly, but died young. Two weeks after JFK's assassination, in fact, his name was John, and uh, he was a very kind man. My grandmother, however, is a different story. I didn't learn the details of my grandmother and mother's history until shortly before she died. Out of a sense of duty and pity for my grandmother's frailty in her old age, my mother uh, kept many of the details of their relationship secret until shortly before my grandmother's death. With that said, I learned that my grandmother was a cruel and jealous woman who physically abused my mother and resented my grandfather's love for her. Thankfully, my grandmother was always exceedingly kind to my siblings and me. My mother visited my grandmother often as her health deteriorated and she edged closer and closer to death. Though she wasn't there when it happened, she is convinced she knew the moment her mother passed. As her experience occurred the night after my grandmother died and definitely around the same time it happened. It occurred fittingly on a dark and stormy night. My mother was sleeping soundly, as many do, finding the rhythmic falling of the rain to be a soothing sound as she slept. Many, my, or my young brother Alexander, a small child at the time, was sleeping in the bed next to her, also sleeping very deeply. Windows on the north and east side of the bedroom occasionally flashed when the lightning struck outside. A sudden, a sudden feeling uh, woke my mother, a feeling that something was not quite right. It was then that she heard a voice, my grandmother's voice, whispering in the dark, Sherry. At first, she wrote it off as a dream, ignoring it and turning over. She hugged her little son closer and tried to go back to sleep. A few minutes later, she heard it again, this time closer and louder, Sherry. Now she was fully alert. There was simply no possible way our grandmother could be in the house, given that she was ten miles away in a nursing home being kept in a comfortable state in anticipation of her death. The tone she heard wasn't the kind of tone my grandmother always used with her grandkids, but the grating and malevolent tone she'd used with my mother as a child, usually when squeezing her arm violently or hurting her in some other cruel way. She woke up and looked for the source of the voice, turning towards the northwest corner of the room. Next to the window and by her jewelry door stood my grandmother as she looked when she was younger with a 40s era house dress on and a bob cut looking at her daughter with critical unpraised eyebrows and a sneer a faint light radiated from the apparition who stood there staring inspiring horror in my mother my mother was stunned inwardly she thanked god that my little brother didn't wake up the apparition took a few steps closer to the bed looking down at my little brother disdainfully and back at my mother. You see, my little brother is adopted in black, as are most of our adopted children. My grandmother was an uh, obstinate racist and did not agree with my mother adopting non-white children. Cowed by my mother's, my grandmother's uh, apparition, my mother said nothing. She sat up in bed, frozen with shock and terror, However, my grandmother had only one more thing to say, and at this her expression softened somewhat. You were the faithful one, Sherry. You were the faithful one. Most of the family, myself included, had declined to continue visiting her in the nursing home after learning of the abuse. With that, the light waned and the apparition faded away. My mother, summoning her courage, stepped out of bed and turned on her bedroom light sink light, bedroom light, and the light out in the hallway, making sure to do so as quietly as possible. She then sat in bed next to my little brother, praying. She'd continue to sleep with all the lights on for the next six months following this experience. Thirty minutes later, she received a phone call she'd been expecting, notifying her that my grandmother had passed away in the night. She then called the rest of us, and I remember hearing her voice, how shaky she was though she didn't tell me about this experience until several years later. Now, though I'm a skeptic, I don't make any judgment on the reality of her experience here. I only know that she's convinced it was a real encounter with a ghost, and it's 
scared the heck out of her. And I'm satisfied with saying, I simply don't know. Well, I'm not sure I'd go visit the racist grandmother in the nursing home either. But no, I don't blame them for going, screw you, you can go and die. But it sounds like she tried to, I guess in a way, kind of make amends before she left by saying nice things to Ryan's mom. You are the one who stuck with me through being a horrible old bitch. Tony. <laughs> well, you know, I. Uh, it's interesting how even in death, she still gave that nice, kindly, unapproving look. Well. It's funny, you know. You would think that maybe in death, you know, you at least hope that in death you get some sort of enlightenment. Uh-huh. You know, from all of the bad influences that you've had on this earth that may have pushed you one way or another, you know, you know, to be racist or whatever, you know, whatever you end up being a bad person, something influenced you to be that bad person. You know, there was some sort of thing in your life that pushed you in that direction. Uh-huh. Now it's up to people as adults to come, you know, get over those things and, and see things, you know, in a more balanced perspective, but a lot of people don't. So you would hope that in death, maybe you'd get that enlightenment and going, oh, there's some errors in my ways here. Maybe I shouldn't be that type of person anymore. You would think so, but it sounds like she'd been dead for, what, 10 minutes? So maybe she hadn't gotten that far. <laughs> you didn't get quite that far into no. that? <laughs> no, no. Into the memo that you get when you die? Or orientation, <laughs> the orientation hadn't of death. finished yet. Yeah. And by the way, these were all really wrong ideas that you had. Oh, shit. Oh, but I already came back and gave those evil glares. Yeah. I think if I had somebody in my family, I'd go out of my way to make them as uncomfortable as possible any chance I had just just yeah. to be like that. I I just I I I would not visit. Mm-mm. You know, I would just be like, yep, I don't think so. Uh Darlene writes in, this story happened 23 years ago. Names have been changed for personal reasons, but sometime during the fall I was in the midst of finding a place to move to and finally settled for a plain town home of three bedrooms. My children are 5, 4 and 3 years of age. It started with the same uh, with the day we were moving. I arrived at the moving truck, a hungry moving crew and some hungry kids in tow. I went to get the keys to our new home only to have the caretaker tell me I would have to settle for another unit on the main streets due to the unit I looked at first was still being fixed up and was having issues. I wasn't impressed at this point but had no choice but to move in, so we did made a quick call to have our phone and utilities transferred over. I was in luck, and it was done the same day. Within a couple of hours, which turned to be the perfect timing for the time we were all unloaded. So, I decided to test the phone line and call my mom to tell her we were all settled. So, I went to sit on the stairs leading to the upper floor. My husband at the time was feeding our tired and grumpy children. And as I was chatting with my mother, I suddenly felt this presence behind me. It felt menacing. I tried to keep talking and ignore it, but it got closer, and something touched my hair. It lifted my hair, and then let it go. I nearly fainted at this point and couldn't talk. I froze. My mother says softly, Is something wrong, my girl? Are you okay? All I can mumble was, I, uh, um, uh, oh boy. Then my mom says, Is everything okay with the new place? Is there something wrong over there? She spoke as if she knew. I told her I had to go because I felt queasy, so I said goodbye for the evening and then proceeded to go see the kids and try to eat something. I chalked it up to just being tired and stressed about the move. But a month into living there, things got even more strange. I noticed my kids all had the same imaginary friend and called him by the same name. And they all agreed he was a he. This ended up turning into six months of hell. The thing slammed my daughter's head into a wall. You could see invisible hands grabbing at her hair. It told my kids where we hid the Christmas presents, and it cursed me, or caused me to have a stillborn baby, and even prevented my brother from warning us that something evil was in our home. 
He was knocking on our door repeatedly and could see us inside the house, acting as if we couldn't hear the doorbell or even knew he was there. We finally moved from this place as the moving truck placed the last boxes in the truck. My oldest says in a sweet little voice, now he's going to be left all alone again, which was the answer to my very thought. I was thinking, I hope he doesn't follow us. But there was one last trick up its sleeve. We realized when we got to our new house that we left the big box of toys behind in the basement where its presence was the strongest and I just wanted to forget about it. I was that afraid. But my little ones started crying for their favorite toys and I couldn't ignore their plight or pleas for their belongings. So my husband agreed to go get the toys knowing we had no power in this place and it was thundering out at the time which added to the creepy factor. He went, and I gave him a flashlight to see where he was going. When he arrived, he went in and felt as if something was watching him the moment he arrived. He went down the stairs to get the toys, and the flashlight started acting up. It started going dim. Then it fell from his hands and started to roll away from him. He ended up feeling alongside uh, the wall to get the toy box. He reached it, but felt as if something was tugging on it, trying to pull it away from him. He was nervous and could hear his heartbeat in his throat by this time. Finally, he got this box up the stairs, only to have the basement door close on him. Then, once he got it open, the main door slammed shut too. He finally made it out to the car and sped away, still hearing his heartbeat in his ears. The next day, we opened the toy box and and uh, distributed... Distributed. Distributed. Word of the day. Distributed. Today's show is brought to you by Distributed. The toys and the kids and took comfort in their happiness. But at the bottom of the box was a devil puppet dressed in black. I nearly fainted. This was not a toy we would ever have purchased or given to any of our children as we were a strong Catholic family. I told my husband to throw it out immediately as tears fell from my eyes. I felt violated and insulted. I knew that this thing was trying to get the last word and laugh. Thank you for reading my story. P.S. My daughter lives just around the corner from this place. In the same complex with my grandkids. I get chills when I go and visit and refuse to walk in front of this place. I cross the street instead. Okay, I wonder if... The entity was actually attached to the devil doll and not the apartment. And maybe that devil doll had been left there previously. Mm-hmm. And somehow it got packed up with the other toys. Somebody thinking it needed to go with them. Yeah, I could see that. It was like maybe off in a corner and somebody packing. Just, you know, you grab stuff, you throw it in a box and uh-huh. that's where it went. Right. I don't know. Or just an odd coincidence that came along with it. But... I don't know. It seems way too connected to. Yeah. I don't know where a spirit would have randomly found a devil doll to throw in the toy box as a last laugh. So I think maybe it was something that was already in the apartment before Mm -hmm. they moved in. It's one of those things. I I think it also had a reason to get them into that unit as well. Why the other one was not available. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's. There's mysterious things that go on with things like that, and then dark entities and what sort of power they actually yield. It's rather disturbing when you look back on stories like that. That was a great, creepy story. It was. So thank you for writing in. Our phone number, of course, 855-853-4802. If you want more ghost stories, you can get 20 of them right now. If you become an EPP, they're all set. They're all ready to go. Once you sign up, it goes right to the email you use through PayPal. Uh, right to you. 20 episodes all set for you to enjoy. And of course, you get a brand new one every single week emailed directly to you. Five bucks a month. Your support keeps our show alive. So please consider supporting the show if you enjoy it. We love doing it and we'd love to keep doing it for you, but uh, it's going to be a matter of your support. So please consider signing up to be an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories online.